part four section thirteen of the freedom of the will by jonathan edwards this librivox recording is in the public domain concerning that objection against the reasoning by which the calvinistic doctrine is supposed that it is metaphysical and abstruse it has often been objected against the defenders of calvinistic principles that in their reasonings they run into nice scholastic distinctions and abstruse metaphysical subtleties and set these in opposition to common sense and it is possible that after the former manner it may be alleged against the reasoning by which i have endeavoured to confute the armenian scheme of liberty and moral agency that it is very abstracted and metaphysical concerning this i would observe the following things one if that be made an objection against the foregoing reasoning that it is metaphysical or may properly be reduced to the science of metaphysics it is a very impertinent objection whether it be so or no is not worthy of any dispute or controversy if the reasoning be good it is as frivolous to inquire what science it is properly reduced to as what language it is delivered in and for a man to go about to confute the arguments of his opponent by telling him his arguments are metaphysical would be as weak as to tell him his arguments could not be substantial because they were written in french or latin the question is not whether what is said be metaphysics physics logic or mathematics latin french english or mohawk but whether the reasoning be good and the arguments truly conclusive the foregoing arguments are no more metaphysical than those which we use against the papists to disprove their doctrine of transubstantiation alleging it is inconsistent with the notion of corporeal identity that it should be in ten thousand places at the same time it is by metaphysical arguments only we are able to prove that the rational soul is not corporeal that lead or sand cannot think that thoughts are not square around or do not weigh a pound the arguments by which we prove the being of god if handled closely and distinctly so as to show their clear and demonstrative evidence must be metaphysically treated it is by metaphysics only that we can demonstrate that god is not limited to a place or is not mutable that he is not ignorant or forgetful that it is impossible for him to lie to be unjust and that there is one god only and not hundreds or thousands and indeed we have no strict demonstration of anything excepting mathematical truths but by metaphysics we can have no proof that is properly demonstrative of any one proposition relating to the being and nature of god his creation of the world the dependence of all things on him the nature of bodies or spirits the nature of our own souls or any of the great truths of morality and natural religion but what is metaphysical i am willing my arguments should be brought to the test of the strictest and justest reason and that a clear distinct and determinate meaning of the terms i use should be insisted on but let not the whole be rejected as if all were confuted by fixing on it the epithet metaphysical two if the reasoning which has been made use of be in some sense metaphysical it will not follow that therefore it must need be abstruse unintelligible and akin to the jargon of the schools i humbly conceive the foregoing reasoning at least to those things which are most material belonging to it depends on no abstruse definitions or distinctions or terms without a meaning or of very ambiguous and undetermined signification or any points of such abstraction and subtlety as tends to involve the attentive understanding in clouds and darkness there is no high degree of refinement and abstruse speculation in determining 
that a thing is not before it is and so cannot be the cause of itself or that the first act of free choice has not another act of free choice going before that to excite or direct it or in determining that no choice is made while the mind remains in a state of absolute indifference that preference and equilibrium never coexist and that therefore no choice is made in a state of liberty consisting in indifference and that so far as the will is determined by motives exhibiting and operating previous to the act of the will so far it is not determined by the act of the will itself then nothing can begin to be which before was not without a cause or some antecedent ground or reason why it then begins to be that effects depend on their causes and are connected with them that virtue is not the worse nor sin the better for the strength of inclination with which it is practised and the difficulty which thence arises of doing otherwise that when it is already infallibly known that the thing will be it is not contingent whether it will ever be or no or that it can be truly said notwithstanding that it is not necessary it should be but it either may be or may not be and the like might be observed of many other things which belong to the foregoing reasoning if any shall still stand to it that the foregoing reasoning is nothing but mere metaphysical sophistry and that it must be so that the seeming force of the arguments all depends on some fallacy and while that is hid in the obscurity which always attends a great degree of metaphysical abstraction and refinement and shall be ready to say here is indeed something tends to confound the mind but not to satisfy it for who can ever be truly satisfied in it that men are fitly blamed or commended punished or rewarded for those volitions which are not from themselves and of whose existence they are not the causes men may refine as much as they please and advance the abstract notions and make out a thousand seeming contradictions to puzzle our understandings yet there can be no satisfaction in such doctrine as this the natural sense of the mind of man will always resist it i humbly conceive that such an objector if he has capacity and humility and calmness of spirit sufficient impartially and thoroughly to examine himself will find that he knows not really what he would be at and indeed his difficulty is nothing but a mere prejudice from an inadvertent customary use of words in a meaning that is not clearly understood nor carefully reflected upon let the objector reflect again if he has candour and patience enough and does not scorn to be at the trouble of close attention in the affair he would have a man's volition be from himself let it be from himself most primarily and originally of any way conceivable that is from its own choice how will that help the matter as to his being justly blamed or praised unless that choice itself be blameworthy or praiseworthy and how is the choice itself an ill choice for instance blameworthy according to these principles unless that be from himself too in the same manner that is from his own choice but the original and first determining choice in the affair is not from his choice his choice is not the cause of it and if it be from himself some other way and not from his choice surely that will not help the matter if it be not from himself of choice then it is not from himself voluntarily and if so he is surely no more to blame than if it were not from himself at all it is vanity to pretend it is a sufficient answer to this to say that it is nothing but metaphysical refinement and subtlety and so attended with obscurity and uncertainty if it be the natural sense of our minds that what is blameworthy in a man must be from himself then it doubtless is also that it must be from something bad in himself 
a bad choice or bad disposition but then our natural sense is that this bad choice or disposition is evil in itself and the man blameworthy for it on its own account without taking into our notion of its blameworthiness another bad choice or disposition going before this from whence this arises for that is a ridiculous absurdity running us into an immediate contradiction which our natural sense of blameworthiness has nothing to do with and never comes into the mind nor is supposed in the judgment we naturally make of the affair as was demonstrated before natural sense does not place the moral evil of volitions and dispositions in the cause of them but the nature of them an evil thing being from a man or from something antecedent in him is not essential to the original notion we have of blameworthiness but it is its being the choice of the heart as appears by this that if a thing be from us and not from our choice it has not the nature of blameworthiness or ill desert according to our natural sense when a thing is from a man in that sense that it is from his will or choice he is to blame for it because his will is in it so far as the will is in it blame is in it and no further neither do we go any further in our notion of blame to inquire whether the bad will be from a bad will there is no consideration of the original of that bad will because according to our natural apprehension blame originally consists in it therefore a thing being from a man is a secondary consideration in the notion of blame or ill desert because those things in our external actions are most properly said to be from us which are from our choice and no other external actions but those that are from us in this sense have the nature of blame and they indeed not so properly because they are from us as because we are in them that is our wills are in them not so much because they are from some property of ours as because they are our properties however all these external actions being truly from us as their cause and we being so used in ordinary speech and in the common affairs of life to speak of men's actions and conduct which we see and which affect human society as deserving ill or well as worthy of blame or praise hence it is come to pass that philosophers have incautiously taken all their measures of good and evil praise and blame from the dictates of common sense about these overt acts of men to the running of every thing into the most lamentable and dreadful confusion and therefore i observe three it is so far from being true whatever may be pretended that the proof of the doctrine which has been maintained depends on certain abstruse unintelligible metaphysical terms and notions and that the armenian scheme without needing such clouds and darkness for its defence is supported by the plain dictates of common sense that the very reverse is most certainly true and that to a great degree it is fact that they and not we have confounded things with metaphysical unintelligible notions and phrases and have drawn them from the light of plain truth into the gross darkness of abstruse metaphysical propositions and words without a meaning their pretended demonstrations depend very much on such unintelligible metaphysical phrases as self-determination and sovereignty of the will and the metaphysical sense they put on such terms as necessity contingency action agency etc quite diverse from their meaning as used in common speech and which as they use them are without any consistent meaning or any manner of distinct consistent ideas as far from it as any of the abstruse terms and perplexed phrases of the peripatetic philosophers or the most unintelligible jargon of the schools or the cant of the wildest fanatics yea we may be bold to say these metaphysical terms on which they build so much are what they use without knowing what they mean themselves they are pure metaphysical sounds without any ideas whatsoever in the minds to answer them inasmuch as it has been demonstrated that there cannot be any notion in the mind consistent with these expressions as they pretend to explain them 
because their explanations destroy themselves no such notions as imply self-contradiction and self-abolition and this is a great many ways can subsist in the mind as there can be no idea of a whole which is less than any of its parts or of solid extension without dimensions or of an effect which is before its cause armenians improve these terms as terms of art and in their metaphysical meaning to advance and establish those things which are contrary to common sense in a high degree thus instead of the plain vulgar notion of liberty which all mankind in every part of the face of the earth and in all ages have consisting in opportunity to do as one pleases they have introduced a new strange liberty consisting in indifference contingence and self-determination by which they involve themselves and others in great obscurity and manifold gross inconsistence so instead of placing virtue and vice as common sense places them very much in fixed bias and inclination and greater virtue and vice and stronger and more established inclination these through their refinings and abstruse notions suppose a liberty consisting in indifference to be essential to all virtue and vice so they have reasoned themselves not by metaphysical distinctions but metaphysical confusion into many principles about moral agency blame praise reward and punishment which are as has been shown exceeding contrary to the common sense of mankind and perhaps to their own sense which governs them in common life End of part four, section thirteen.